Dan, you're right, mate. You, you sounded like you were busy this week. What's going on? Yeah, I'm good. My uh, my team doubled this this kind of like last fortnight. So I've gone from having like one engineer and one designer, where like all the feedback loops are that's really easy, um, and also means like I'm getting quite dirty in the code and in in the Figma and like doing kind of like lots of hands-on stuff. To now actually having to do a proper managing type job, whereas I'm having to you know like think about objectives and backlogs and and do like full-on meetings. So yeah, it's just been a, a big big change for me. Mm. Food's an issue again. I'm eating toast. Oh, I was just <laughs> going to say I saw a bit of brown toast. So uh, we were just discussing before we came on air how Dan has started to go to the gym uh, at lunch times, which I, uh, I must admit I, I've kind of slipped on. I, I've always done it in the beginning of the day because as soon as it goes past like half nine, I'm just too lazy and I, I just haven't got the energy for it. Anyway, I've never done it before, so. I'm still getting used to being a gym person and every time I walk in I've got that imposter syndrome like everyone else knows what they're doing and if it wasn't for having like a personal trainer going we're doing this I probably would have stopped again so I'm still getting used to the fact that in the middle of the day I'll go out begrudgingly like I know I'll feel great afterwards except for when we do a podcast directly afterwards and I have to run in get showered because I don't want to smell on a podcast you're on a smelly host on a podcast, so I had to shout. You don't want, you, you could see the stink lines coming off in like, like true acme <laughs> style. Um, and we should also say it's not just us talking, we have a guest with us. So, hello, guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, absolutely. So, my name is Masha. I think I'm your first guest from the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been in the field for just about five years, I graduated from school five years ago, uh, majored in computer science, started as a software engineer, and transitioned into design and then design systems. And now my life is pretty much 50% design and 50% code. Nice. So did you always want to be a developer or a designer? Or what What made you start that direction in the first place? Uh, so... Originally, I wanted to be an interpreter, so I love languages. And then in school, somebody suggested, well, if you learn languages, you might as well learn a computer language just for for the fun of it. So I did, and I actually enjoyed it. And then I got internship as a software engineer. And after that, I realized that I, I didn't, I wasn't like that good of an engineer. But I felt very comfortable with front end and like front of the front end. So I started learning about design and kind of slowly found my sweet spot in between in between the two disciplines. That's really cool. Because you don't often find people that comfortably do both or have mm-hmm. grown up with both in mind. Yeah, that's the one thing that I found, I always loved CSS. And I thought that that's what everyone considered easy or like that's what everyone enjoyed so for me it was a breakthrough when I started meeting engineers and like some would even be afraid of CSS and I'd be like well I'm afraid of everything else but CSS I I I can take that it sounds like the story of my life like I think very similar to you like I loved CSS and I just I don't know like like you say so many people are either um fearful of it or just think oh it's easy and I don't need to learn it and and end up you know producing 
work of a certain standard. Um, and yeah, so, like, so similarly, like came from came from the engineering background into design. What I'd love to know is like, did you have any element of like imposter syndrome having done the kind of CS degree kind of very technical background coming into the world of design, which I guess like, like for me, it's a lot less, uh, I don't want to say a lot less structured, but it's a lot more open. It's a lot more of a, you know, in, in engineering, there's a, there's a lot of closed questions, like things work or things don't, like a line of code works or doesn't. With design, there's kind of, there's a lot of answers to solutions. And I, that I found quite overwhelming. And it's like, I, I definitely felt a lot of imposter syndrome coming from coming from the engineering background. Mm, I think so that, my first two companies I've worked at, or I guess my very first company, um, small like scale up called Logic Manager, like I was the first person to take on design like UX aspect in the in the company in our dev team. So there was no time to have the imposter syndrome because I I didn't have anyone else to compare myself to, and uh, I just had. I was just reading articles, reading books. Again, I didn't have anyone. I, I didn't feel that, but I do always feel imposter syndrome still when I'm in the development world. That's a really interesting thing you're saying. Like I, I've been in that situation in a startup and scale up where um where you don't have that person above you with the, the knowledge, right? So you're you're having to reach out there and find it and and like meet people and such. Like what's your advice for someone in that situation having gone through it? Like how how do you make sure you've got that level of support and are learning the right things? Right. Because that's the thing is if you've got no one there to tell you and to challenge you, knowing it's wrong, how how are you making sure you had that kind of um that quality? Um. Well, the the couple things that worked for me is first just looking out for resources, like finding, I think for me, it started with an article that said 10 books for wannabe UX designers. And then once you get into those books, it's a rabbit hole from there because one book has a reference to five other books. And then you go from something like Don't Make Me Think, which is very like UX targeted specific to something like um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, which is just gets much deeper into all those concepts. So I would say that's the the first part that really helped me to feel more confident about myself. But then another thing is at some point being at my first company, I was like, oh, I, I think I need to actually learn from a real person so that's when I made the decision to start looking for other opportunities. And I moved to my second company called Carrot, where I actually had a manager and a person who's been in the field for like 20 or I don't know how many years. And he's just very good. And I got to learn a lot from him. Do you know, it's almost exactly the same story as how I got into jazz. It's uncanny. <laughs> like... Um... <laughs> I kind of liked a little bit of Miles Davis and was like, ah, oh, jazz is really impenetrable. There's like all this crazy stuff, all this traditional stuff. But then you you see who's played on one of the albums that you like and you go, oh, they're quite good. And you listen to some of their stuff. No, it's not the same at all, is it? But anyway, <laughs> I quite like jazz and that's how I found out about it. I think I think there's always a similar. Yeah. That's really cool. 
I think there's always a similarity no matter which field you go into. You start at the surf- surface level and then you just keep on digging and digging, digging and realizing there is like a whole other world you're, you're not aware of. What I like as well is that while you're still relatively young in your career, like you say, about five years since you graduated, you've already started like a YouTube channel to help people out and start providing resources of your own. So is that kind of almost a direct map from how you got into it to try and help other people on that same journey? Um, yeah, so I think one thing for me is uh, when I was in school, I felt like it was very hard to find the, the good resources from somebody who's actually working in the field. And I mean, the past four or five years, I've just spent tons of time in Figma. So I figured I might as well start recording and putting something out there. Also, I also like the video editing aspect of it. So I don't know, just like a fun side thing to do. Yeah, I just I just feel like it's important to find some ways to not stay inside the your your work bubble and just try to meet other people and again with people who are more experienced than you, people who are just getting out of school or who who are in school i think that's also like then is a good way to segue into design systems right like as dan said you're 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 fairly new especially if you spent a few years as an engineer right like your your kind of your your life in ux is is still fairly kind of a fledgling right so what then pushed you into design systems what made you go from the kind of the world of products into a kind of a very like design systems are a very interesting way of thinking what what yeah what steered you in that course mm-hmm. um that was almost accidental i think i think it's a common theme for many people so at my first company when i started doing design and while still contributing to code it was it just felt like a natural thing like when i was in figma i was thinking okay if i want to be able to come up with at least three possible solutions to this problem I need to work very fast and I can just spend time duplicating things over and over. So that's how I started with component libraries. And after making the component library in Figma and again, like searching online for some resources to understand the whole uh, the whole thing that I was doing, I kind of got into design systems. And again, I was the the only person so for me it all felt like one one thing like the product the design systems the code and then I started to realize that at many companies it's divided and some companies have teams so actually when I went into my uh, second company Carrot my role at that point was specifically design systems for both design and code aspect of it but again, it was a, even though it was a startup still, I already had that divide, like focusing specifically on the on the system part of it. It kind of feels like um, all of us in some way have, have straddled or, or done both design and development to some degree. And it's, it's starting to feel like there's space for people to actually be taught that, taught both things at the same time to be that hybrid person because it seems even now really early on you have to make a decision am i a designer am i a developer even before you've gone through education 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also feel like sometimes the way companies are structured, it's difficult to, um, like the developers would typically have their scrums or sprints, and uh, it would be more or less very structured. And it's kind of hard to jump in and be like, oh, I'm going to uh, contribute to code here and there, but I'm not going to sign up to be one of the release managers or <laughs> like, or I have, and tomorrow I'll do more design. So I feel like once company starts growing, it's very common to, to yeah, just have this like harsh and harsher divide between designers and developers, which is why I guess really, I really like structures where it's, where it's essentially you're paired up with a full stack developer and you two together just trailblaze through whichever it is that you need to get implemented. I just feel like it's so much faster this way. So I think you mentioned um, in the article we'll talk about in a bit that you were like the design system person of one at one point <laughs> and, or certainly felt like that. So how was that? Because... I think what we find is that we the first guest we had was Jerry Reed, who has worked some really big design systems, really big gnarly challenges. And now this feels like the opposite. So being in that space, like how did you find it? Um being being uh, more or less the design system person of, yeah, of yeah. Uh, again, I feel like because I was at a smaller, smaller company and uh because I was given the opportunity to contribute to code and design. It just removed a lot of friction and a lot of communication, um, uh, maybe problems that could have arise just because I would work a little bit in Figma, then I'll work in um, in code, and then we would have one unified documentation website where everyone could go into and just get, get what they needed. And um, we, we didn't have much because our team was so small, we didn't have much need for like very, very detailed um, documentation. So did you go as deep as like uh, design tokens and like the full stack that everyone kind of talks about? Or did you just build to the needs and the requirements that a small team had? How did that work? Uh, yeah, so at the time we had just one uh, one web product and uh, we were building on top of Chakra, Chakra UI. So we did not have the immediate need for design tokens. The one thing that we did is uh, in the plans, we had an ideas of uh, creating an iOS app or perhaps something else. So for essentially the work that we did was like, okay, let's say we need design tokens tomorrow. How will we be able to translate what we currently have in Chakra and have the actual like, the standard as standard as it can be because it's still not obviously design system or design tokens. So for example, chakra values, they tend to uh, be the same uh, for like a border radius, you have a base. And then for shadows, you have a base. You would not really be able to do that in tokens. You need to have a unique name for each. So we'd be like, okay, what we can do to stay as close to chakra, but then also make sure that we meet the tokens requirements. Add like a prefix like BR for border radius or shadow for shadows. Complete change of subject, but 
if we were doing this and we just thought, you know what, we'll record a podcast out at a cafe or something. Mm-hmm. What's your drink of choice? Like, would you go for a coffee? Would you go for tea? Like, what's the kind of thing that you'd have? Uh, well, I would actually have a cold brew, which I have right here. <laughs> is uh, that a figma? Is that a figma? Like, jug it, as well? is a, it, it is a figma. So actually both my boyfriend and I have one. And when we go to coffee shops and sometimes have different drinks, like they would mix up the cups. So I put like a Figma sticker on top of the Figma logo. So it's like, <laughs> there is a difference between the two. But yeah, those are those are like the best Figma Tumblr I've ever had or Tumblr I've ever had, period. Oh, so the idea you've been through generations of Figma Tumblrs and this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm, I've got food on the brain today. So we're going to treat you to a pizza for this podcast. What would you choose? Uh, just plain margarita. I mean, that's, that's a strong choice. I think it depends on the pizzeria. Like that could be dynamite yeah. or it could be horrible. Mm. I just like, I, I like like tomato sauce. Yeah. If, if you have proper mozzarella as well, like like yeah. really good mozzarella and like some some basil and oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of basil leaves on top. That'd be nice. Now I'm hungry. Oh. <laughs> I always do this. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it always comes back to food. I think we need to rename our, our podcast, maybe. Um yeah, what I really like to know. As well. Yeah, what I'd love to know is like that um often in well, you, you talk about that kind of divide there is between design and engineering and and how, how like design systems and, and the roles that we sort of do do bridge that gap. What's really interesting for me is that you you often see people pigeonholed as like a designer, a designer who can code or, uh, you know, a coder who has some design knowledge. Right. But it seems to me like the role that you're describing you do is actually a proper kind of a proper role with duality. Um do you, think, do you find that people approach you differently because of that, because you have got that kind of almost 50-50 um, nature in your role? Um, I feel like maybe I have not been uh, in the in the field long enough to either have that experience or, or recognize the fact that I have that experience. I guess, yeah, I definitely, I didn't, I didn't know anything, anything else. So I think you, usually it's... Um, Usually one thing I found is that if a person initially has an understanding of me as a designer, then uh, it might take a couple maybe more pushes from me to be like, oh, I can actually code. I can. I don't need you to implement the UI of this component. I can do that. Like, would you just mind doing me a favor and like reviewing my pull request so that I can merge it in or I can review your pull requests to see if there are any UI things that could be, or like CSS things that could be shortened or use the actual component that we have or style or stuff like that. I guess, does it, yeah, does it help you win favors with people? Like, because often what you'll, you'll see is like, if you can do, um, so yeah, because you're able to solve problems for, for designers and engineers, like if you're able to like, do quick little wins for people does that almost buy you do you feel that sometimes buys you more favors um i think um maybe uh i definitely i i feel like it helps me internally because 
sometimes let's say we have a new component implemented like all the engineers would be if there is good communication all engineers moving forward would use that component but what can sometimes happen is that first there is a bunch of old code that nobody wants to refactor and second if there is a bunch of old code that nobody wants to refactor engineers also accidentally could see that old piece of code copy paste it and then it's unclear which is new component and the the issue kind of starts spreading so for me i usually would be more than happy more as a favor to myself to go in and refactor all the old stuff i like doing that because it just makes me feel better about the state of the code base and um I consider it more as a favor to myself because I really deeply care about the state of code as much as it looks on the on the surface. For me, like when I was a hiring manager as well, um, I'd encourage those lines to blur. And if someone did show an aptitude for design that was considered a developer or vice versa, like play in the space as much as you want. Like you, you can normally mold it around the right people. I think the challenge comes where if someone's quite a a unique character like that, where how do you replace them if they move on? Like mm-hmm. uh, if you kind of have this space where you've got this great person that can do both and they choose to leave, do you then need to employ two different people? It's it's really interesting from the hiring manager point of view because I, I want people to be able to do the right thing, bring out all their skills. But have you ever had any thoughts about that or has anyone spoken to you about it? Uh, well, I honestly, I'm not sure because my, uh, uh, so I'm actually just started a new job recently and, uh, at my second company carrot, we actually had layoffs and I was one of the person, one of the people being laid off Uh and I almost, I, I'm still processing, but I was not sure whether the fact that being able to do both was more of like a detriment than a plus from the leadership perspective, because like, oh, this person can't exactly do the whole aspect of software engineering. And I guess nobody ever asked me whether I wanted to just do design full time, just like the the product, product design of it, aspect of it. So. I don't know whether some people sometimes might look on the side and think, oh, maybe like it's not that the person can do both, it's that they can't do either. That's interesting. So if someone's earlier in their career and they want they feel they can design and develop, but maybe they feel they have to choose one education path, mm-hmm. like what can they do about that if they really feel they want to do both in their career? Mm. I guess the, the the answer definitely stands uh do both. Maybe, maybe if you have to to go through the whole education path to the computer science, I just feel like it might give you more credibility when you actually jump into the company and start and and um it's easier to kind of sell yourself to be able to do both. Uh I still feel like for somebody like seeing a computer science degree matters 
a lot, even though in schools they typically don't really teach that aspect of what's actually happening in tech right now and the skills you need to learn. But again, like the all the the basics, of course, always help. That's something I was, what, what interested to touch on is is uh, and this is something we discussed with with Jerry in a previous episode. Um, what what do you feel is kind of missing from traditional academia having gone through a cs degree um what pieces were missing there especially as someone who has come through it and and is clearly very passionate about design and moved in design like what what pieces are missing and what could they do more in in universities to to tell teach people about ux and, and other pieces mm-hmm. uh, i think one one aspect is definitely the front-end development because uh, I think the uh, the school I went to, Brandeis, there was one class that was focused on like human-computer interaction, which is, was as close as you can get to UX. But then for more like computer science classes, again, we never learned CSS. So maybe... That's the reason why so many people are either afraid of CSS or think that it's super easy. So I think that's also one of the reason the reasons I had the impression that oh this stuff I enjoy this stuff this stuff is easy for everyone it doesn't matter to learn it in school and we would spend like much more time studying like OS uh, data structures which again is all great stuff. But maybe it's time that we add on like a little bit more front end for people, especially for people who are moving into like tech after school and not into research. What I remember about, um, so I, as a slightly mature student, I went to university in Liverpool and ended up doing a computer science degree, like multimedia systems. And I, I was already self-taught with web stuff and that's what I wanted to get out of the education but yeah, it's pretty much like you were saying. There's all this other stuff, which is great, but it's not directly related to what I hope to get out of it. So we have one module that was teaching web stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I swear at times the guy was like, I felt like a John the short straw having to teach us about web stuff. Like, oh, right, so there's like six web safe fonts. You can do this, you can do that. This is what a tag is, right? Move along. It mm-hmm. sounded like it wasn't none of the web stuff was considered proper mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a really great point because i remember the one course that i took it wasn't even at brandeis you kind of could cross register at different school for a class so i did that and the uh the web stuff that we learned there even that felt like 3 years behind which is again a lot a lot of time for the tech world and especially i think it also was kind of during the time when css had lots of big jumps and additions um and we were far far behind i guess uh, if you're going back um and, and and like mentoring advising someone going through university right now like what are the pieces you were telling them to focus on and what would you tell them to kind of not ignore, but kind of, you know? Maybe uh, definitely worry about grades less and uh, spend uh, that time instead just going to meetups, 
finding maybe they can a course from um uh online course from a place like super high which they do great like they they do both like technical courses and then also like creative courses if you are more interested in being like a designer or ux courses and they all are very much up to speed with the modern times and um and i guess another big aspect which again you can never get through super high but also in general learning about how the how companies get things done like what's the um what are like the common ways kind of like agile scrum like how to communicate with people all that all, all that all that's like soft skill i would say stuff i think so i mentioned briefly about the the article that i, I mainly became aware of you through the one that you wrote for smashing magazine uh, mm -hmm. taking the stress out of design system management like that seems a lot about the the soft skills as well as uh, the the machinery of how to get stuff done so that was mainly about your experience at carrot i guess mm -hmm. so it sounded like really quite mature and like there's a lot that i hadn't read other people talk about and so then realizing that you, you were still quite new in your career it's like brilliant someone really gets it this is awesome well i i think i'm just very lucky to have tons of opportunities and resources available to me and i feel like at both of my uh companies that i worked at the logic manager and carrot it just that my managers were just very open in terms of me being able to go into whichever whichever field i want i feel like at logic manager they could have easily said oh no like you're a software engineer and we don't need we don't have the need for design here and there is no opportunity for you to not just move over to a different team but create an entirely new role but they were exactly opposite of that they were like well you showed us the fact that we need something here so let's try it out let's let's do that and i, I feel like when people around you really support you even though they may not exactly understand what you're doing like it's just so much easier to kind of learn and keep on going you're so right like the the importance of a good manager at any stage is massively important but never so important than when you're starting out i think mm -hmm. uh, i think sometimes as well when you you get further on it matters in a different way and i think i don't know i'm rambling now a little mm -hmm. bit but it's that sense of you need something different from a manager all the way through your career and a good manager can change everything and it's validating isn't it and and, and you know i've been in that situation before where, where I've, I've had that with with people moving roles or people leaving the company where like it's a support network which i think is is important at any stage in your career um especially and i you know bring back design systems i think design systems are something that are so new in conceptually are, are very new obviously like ui libraries and things been around for years but because they are so maybe not news right word, but misunderstood right i think they're really misunderstood um more so probably from the engineering side right um and so you need some some people above you and especially if you're in a, a role that has duality has like a technical piece and a, and a design piece you almost need like a, a design mentor leader above you and an engineering one both who who believe in what you do i think mm -hmm. 
exactly um yeah actually the company that i just joined it's something very new and very terrifying in a good way for me because it's like an 800 people company and they it's called Appfire, and they work with different ecosystems like Atlassian, monday.com salesforce and their challenge is to create an abstract api um design token level that would be able to translate into any of these ecosystems and so it's definitely such a new and almost like a crazy challenge for me because not only it's a couple abstraction layers but also it's not like i would be able to go in and implement everything myself on design and code side it's no, at this point, you're actually working with engineers and maybe here and there you have to like sell the idea of why this design system is good for us and how it's going to help us in the future. So I'd love to hear how that goes over the next year or two. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I would love to hear that too. <laughs> we'll see. Where do you see yourself going? Because uh, like, do you have plans or, or a goal in mind or are you just seeing where the current takes you? Um, yeah, I, I think at this point, it's definitely seeing how am I going to be in a bigger company. And at this point, I'm not the only design systems person on the team. So just working in the team that's design system specific. And again, seeing how, whether I'll find that Oh, I'm thriving in this environment or like, oh, no, I love the startup where I can just do everything myself. So what's the the balance and the, and the trade-offs between the two? I think this is the interesting thing about design systems, especially. I mean, that would be quite a big shift anyway, but because given what design systems provide for a company, like they become the core of everything. Mm. Like, that dynamic is something else when you get up to a bigger scale company. It's not just that you're in a product team within a big organization. You're providing something for everyone else. Mm -hmm. Not to put yeah. the pressure on you, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, good luck. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so when you think uh, outside of design systems, outside of work, like what else do you do? Like, Tell us more about you. Like, What do you enjoy doing? Mm, I mean, I just love moving, I feel like. When you are looking at the screen the whole day, it's important to balance it out with something like like the gym in the middle of the day. Um, but yeah, I love long walks, just wandering around. Or lately, I've been into yoga and um, I don't know boxing, tall. Wow! Any 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 things that are <laughs> active and not competitive. I'm not a competitive person. <laughs> well, I guess that plays well with design systems too. We've got to bring it back, you see, bring it back to design systems. Yeah. Dan, is that a big rumbly lorry gone past now? No, there's sorry, there's a big lorry outside. <laughs> I think it's moving a skip and it's a huge crane. So that's why I was staying quiet. Um but no, I think yeah, I, I sorry. It, it's I can't I don't know if it's picking it up or not. That's why I was on mute. Okay. Okay, this bit out. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, I guess. I, I guess. In 
one, one point that'd be great to touch on would be you said obviously you've been through um being laid off and coming through the other side and, and finding work and obviously there's going to be there's a huge amount of people in the industry that have gone through that um and and i think i've, I've discussed it before with i think yourself dan like it's the problem is because we are in a role that is misunderstood sometimes it, it can be seen like like you said that when you have when you have this double aspect to your role you're maybe not seen as like a, a good either if that makes sense as you said so um what kind of what would your advice be to people who are going through it and experiencing it, especially if, if it's in this kind of design system space where there aren't as many roles out there fortunately i think for for now there are still many companies that are hiring and i've seen more design system roles now than ever ever before but i think one thing is to still if you're if you're like primarily a designer is to maybe always consider going back to just focusing on uh design and again with bigger companies or even with smaller companies you can still do design systems on the side like i i I haven't met a designer yet that could not do that on the side if they wanted to and uh the the more practical tip is maybe just having a case study on your portfolio that's more like product design focused in addition to something that's design system focused. Awesome. So I, I guess to wrap it up a little bit, mm-hmm. imagine there's a world where the internet no longer exists. What do you think you'd do as a career if there was no internet? Oh, that's that's easy. I would have my Paul Fitness studio. <laughs> the, the first thought I had when I got uh, laid off, I was like, well, maybe it's a sign. Maybe I should go and like look at places and do like the active lifestyle 24-7. That is very cool. That's a great answer. Still quite creative as well. Like, uh, you know, I, th- I think I think it's it's one of those things like it's very kind of not acrobatic as such but it's like it's like a gymnastic type thing right it's still a very creative endeavor yeah yeah it's it's fun like it's also kind of design system it just has been growing over the past 10 20 15 years and it's like could be a sport it could be like or some people do it for sport and compete some people do it for fitness but I don't know, I just feel like hanging upside down really like helps you take different perspectives on things in real life. So it's a, right. it's a well, nice... That also explains yeah. Batman as well, so that's quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea that now there might be a correlation between people that poll and design systems. They've been, strangely been around roughly about the same amount of time in the public eye. There, there might be something in this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Never thought about it this way until now. <laughs> the, this studio, like Design Systems by Day, Paul at Night. Come mm-hmm. on, <laughs> Yeah. Well, Masha, it's been lovely to talk to you, lovely to get to know you a little bit. So thanks for your time and thanks for sharing your journey. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dan and Dan. And yeah, it's it's like 2 p.m. for you now. So you just yeah. get a little bit more. Okay. Get some more coffee. Woo-hoo! Yeah, it's definitely that. It's definitely that lull where another mm-hmm. coffee is needed. <laughs> you can definitely get the pizza now. 
it's like it's like 10 a.m. here. I'm not oh, sure. She's I'm pretty allowed. out there now. So I think we <laughs> that, that's going to happen. Uh, very cool. Okay, so um, you want to give a shout out about your YouTube channel? Because I think everyone should check that out. Thank you so much. <laughs> I hope I hope people find it useful. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode of What a DS. You should probably follow us on Twitter if you do that kind of thing, at WhatTheDS. If you'd like to suggest a speaker or give us any feedback, good feedback mainly, you can find us there.